Welcome and good morning. It's always a pleasure to join you in worship as we do every Sunday morning for our chapel service here at All Saints Church at Sunnyview Manor. Uh, It's always a gift to be in community together. uh, And when the sun is shining and we're entering into a new season like we are with the season of fall, it's a blessing to be together in worship. Let's begin our service of worship this morning by singing our first hymn, Praise to the Lord the Almighty. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Servants of God, lift up your heads. Servants of God, lift up your hands. Servants of God, lift up your hearts. Let us pray. Sovereign God, you turn your greatness into goodness for all the peoples on earth. Shape us into willing servants of your kingdom. Make us desire always and only your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. First reading is Isaiah 53, 4 through 12. 
Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our disease, yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for his transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before it is sheared is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By a perversion of justice he was taken away. Who could have imagined his future? For he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken by the transgressions of many people, my people. They, they made his grave with the wicked and his tomb with the rich, although he has done no violence and there has no decency in his descent in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him with pain. When you made his life when you make his life an offering for sin, he shall see the offspring and shall prolong his days through his will of the Lord shall profit prosper. Out of his anguish he sh- we shall see light. He shall find satisfaction through his knowledge. This is the word of the Lord. Psalm 91, verses 9 through 16, read responsively. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the Most High your dwelling place. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. You will tread on the lion and the adder. Those who love me, I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. I will rescue them and honor them. The second reading is from Hebrews 5, 1 to 10. Every high priest chosen from among mortals is put in charge of things pertaining to God on their behalf to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, 
since he himself is subject to weakness. And because of this, he must offer sacrifice for his own sins as well as for those of the people. And one does not presume to take this honor, but takes it only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but was appointed by the one who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was hurt because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Having been designated by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. This is the word of the Lord.
Gospel according to Mark, the tenth chapter. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The Gospel of our Lord. When we think of the phrase, the greatest of all time, many things may come to mind. We may think... Michael Jordan, when we think of the greatest basketball player of all time. We may think Muhammad Ali, when we think of the greatest boxer of all time. We may think of names like Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and others when thinking about the greatest baseball players of all time. We may be thinking of Yo-Yo Ma when it comes to the cello, or Mozart when it comes to composing, or Michelangelo with art, some of the greatest greats of all time. We may think Sherlock Holmes when it comes to the greatest fictional character of all time, or that may just be me because he's my favorite. (laughs) What makes someone the greatest, fill in the blank, whatever category you may choose, of all time. What makes someone the greatest? You cannot be the greatest at something without comparison. That is, in order to be the greatest, your abilities, achievements, or whatever have to be compared to the abilities and achievements of all the others who attempt to do the same thing. For example, both Michael Jordan and myself played basketball. I played through high school. He played all the way up to the highest level of competition for his sport in the NBA and as an Olympic athlete. He scored thousands of points over his career and led his team to multiple NBA championships. 
My career in competitive basketball ended when I finished high school. So there really isn't much of a comparison between Michael Jordan and myself. Rather, the point is to convey the necessity of comparison, to show how we define greatness. Greatness requires that we compare things or people to one another. And based on whatever criteria we use, wins, points, popularity, etc., we can measure someone or something and label it the greatest. The story which comes as our gospel lectionary reading from Mark's gospel centers on this theme of greatness. Two disciples, James and John, ask Jesus if they can be seated on either side of him after his kingdom is established. They imagine that Jesus is going to get a throne, right? Because he's a king after all. That's the special place of honor for all kings and queens. They are asking Jesus if they can be the second greatest two people in Jesus' kingdom. They come to Jesus with the assumption that greatness is defined by your notoriety, popularity, or how close you are to the guy in charge. By making this request, James and John not only reveal their hearts, but also a little bit about their culture. They reveal to us how they believe greatness works in first century Jewish cultural context. And it turns out that the idea of greatness that they have is really close to the idea of greatness that we have. Our cultures may be separated by 21 centuries, thousands of miles, language differences, and yet we have the same notion about how to define what it means to be great. Greatness for us is the athlete with the most wins and points and championship trophies. Greatness for us is the musician whose music sells the most songs, fills the most seats, makes the most money. Greatness for us is the artist whose name everyone knows, the CEO whose company is the largest, and so on and so forth. We think greatness is defined by comparing everyone and everything to everyone and everything else. But, and this is a really big but with a capital B, that isn't how Jesus defines greatness. Jesus asks a few questions and dialogues with James and John and in the end teaches them something. Before he finishes, the other ten disciples get angry And you remember when I read that, they got angry with James and John because they also are human and they're all thinking the same way about what makes someone great. In the end, Jesus says that greatness in his kingdom does not look like greatness everywhere else. In fact, in the kingdom of Jesus, everything's flipped upside down. The greatest people, according to Jesus, are the people who serve from the bottom up. He says to them, you see how it looks among the Gentiles, 
And the rulers and the rich people, they lord it over each other through power and influence. That is how they define greatness. But Jesus says, whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. It's at this moment that all 12 disciples are looking at Jesus and their minds go kablooey. They are certainly not expecting that answer. And this teaching is surprising and challenging for you and me as well. We think the same way. And Jesus says the same thing to you and me. Greatness in his kingdom is not defined by comparing yourself to anyone else. Greatness is not measured by how much money you have or how successful you are compared to someone else. It's not measured by popularity or influence in the eyes of others. Greatness in the kingdom of Jesus is defined by your willingness to be invisible. To serve. To give. Not out of concern for notoriety or or recognition. To love greatly without it being on the front page of the newspaper. To help and bless those who cannot help and bless you in return without any potential reward. Greatness is service in the kingdom of Jesus. And that doesn't require you to compare yourself to anyone. To serve, to love, to give does not require comparison. True greatness, Jesus-defined greatness, is doing what you do out of an abundant love for God and disregarding whether anyone will ever know about it. True greatness, according to Jesus, is largely behind the scenes, backstage, almost invisible. Now that definition doesn't jive with any culture in human history, including our own. Greatness like this requires humility. And that, my friends, is something that does not come naturally to human beings. So how do we cultivate the spiritual fruit of humility? That's the practical question that we can follow as Jesus leaves us with this amazing teaching on greatness. The famous author C.S. Lewis once said that humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Does that make sense? It's not thinking less of yourself, not depreciating or deprecating yourself. It's just thinking about yourself less of the time. (laughs) We often fall into the trap of thinking that humility is looking down on yourself. There's some twisted internal self-mutilation kind of thing. But that's still a platform for comparison. We've been inundated from a very young age to think that our identity is who we are in comparison to those around us. That's just not true. You have value. You are beautiful. You are loved without any comparison to anyone else. Humility is recognizing that you are loved and that comparison isn't even necessary. Comparison breeds things like jealousy and envy and bitterness, conflict and suffering. There's so many things that this comparison bug does inside of us. But humility breeds contentment and joy and love and connection to other people. 
And it's the truly humble people who show us what Jesus-like greatness is. Jesus, of course, is the prime example of greatness. Philippians 2 teaches us that he left the throne room of heaven to be born as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. There is no greater distance someone can travel than those two places. The throne room of heaven and the humble manger in an animal trough in Bethlehem in the first century. God did that to show you and me what true greatness looks like. And it's in living our lives in Christ's example that we find ourselves drawn to service and to work that maybe people won't recognize or see or print about on the front page of the paper. Loving and giving and serving without concern for recognition or notoriety. Being with people, living in such a way that we reveal the character of God that's forming in us. We reveal to the world in doing this what true greatness looks like. This greatness doesn't come at the cost of anyone else. Rather, this greatness upholds the value of everyone else. The value of every human being we encounter. That's what it means. When we talk about Jesus' greatness, that's what it means to be great. So, may we all go and do great things as we seek to be great, as Jesus defines it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's continue our service of worship by singing the hymn, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me.
Now join me in reading the Confession of Faith, the Apostles' Creed, on page 11. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings Almighty God, you continue to bless our lives in so many ways. May this offering be a time when we place you first, and when we are grateful for the opportunity to support those in need in your name. We pray in the name of the one through whom all things are possible. Amen. To the time of the prayers of the congregation, I just want to invite you this morning, if you've joined us in worship and you're carrying a heavy burden, whether for yourself or for someone else or a different situation uh, outside of your own life, I invite you to indicate that at this time by raising your hand. Let us pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, We thank you for our ability to gather in this place to praise you, to worship, to read the scriptures, to pray, and to join together as we maybe enter this room carrying heavy burdens. 
For all those, Lord, who raised their hand here a moment ago, we pray for the various situations that those hands represent. We pray for healing. We pray for hope. We pray for peace and reassurance, for comfort and encouragement. We, Lord, know that you are already active in all of these situations. No matter what the need may be or the praise may be, you are already there. What we pray for, Lord, is the faith to trust you with each of these scenarios, with whatever is going on in our lives. We lift up these prayer requests and we lay them at your feet. We entrust them to your care. We thank you, Lord, that you hear every single one of our prayers. No prayer is missed by you. No concern that weighs on our hearts is missed by you. You are there. You are present. You are here. So help us to trust you with these, we pray. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. At this time, I would like to invite you to join me in praying the Lord's Prayer together. Let us pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let's continue our service by singing the hymn, Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise.
Now receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks.